0: Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info@theplantchurch.org. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream, and love, true love, will follow you forever. For many of you, you know that phrase. Yes, it's from The Princess Bride, a classic movie. Like many of you, I have four certain movies on my children that they have owned and really have said that they're some of their favorite movies. And The Princess Bride, for some of you, is one of your favorite movies. It's this, this romantic comedy that, that shares this journey of true love. Now, what's been very interesting about COVID is, is that I know that people have talked about all the negative things that have happened with COVID, that the divorce rate has gone up and, and all these horrific things are going on, but, but I will say this about COVID. Love has been in the air. Like, serious love has been in the air. I have done more weddings during COVID than I have in the last several years. I have done three weddings and I was actually the best man in a wedding. I have not been a best man in someone's wedding in a long, long time. And so in the midst of COVID, true love is in the air. And it's something that as we come to this Christmas narrative, we have to really look at the engagements of this young couple. Now, for Sue and I, whenever we do premarital counseling we talk about how the engagement period is one of the most important periods of their whole relationship. You see, relationships have different aspects, different seasons. They have the dating, the engagement, the wedding, the marriage. And for, for some, they will have children and then one day be empty nesters. And so there's are seasons of relationships. But the one thing that Sue and I always talk about whenever we are doing premarital counseling for a couple is that your engagement should be one of the most important times of your relationship. And not only the most important time of your relationship, but where true love is being emulated with one another. And so what we're going to study today in the Word of God is that during the Advent season, You see this young couple who were engaged to be married, that they had a curveball thrown into their relationship that was going to test them like never before. And what we are going to see is one man's unlikely obedience led to his unlikely devotion to show a young girl what true love is. You see, this man decided to be part of God's upside-down plan. He believed that what God was doing, God had called him to be a part of. And so what I want you to do is I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. As we dive into the Scriptures and continue our sermon series called An Upside-Down Christmas. And look at how God used an unlikely man... To show an unlikely devotion to be part of God's unlikely plan. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for this time that we have together. And God, I thank you for every single week that we can gather and we can look into the word of God. And I ask you, Lord, today that you would allow our time of study to truly speak to our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that we would learn from from this one person what true devotion is and how he, being willing to be sensitive to the voice of God, defied exactly what the world would tell him not to do, but he chose to do because he knew you were behind it. In Christ's name, amen. One of the things that I had just told Andrew before I started to preach is that how when I preach on camera, it's so different than when I preach in person. When I preach in person, I'm kind of running around the stage and and getting everyone all excited and riled up. But but when I'm preaching to the camera, it's almost like I'm hanging out in your living room, literally hanging out in your living room. And, And it's a different approach. And it's very deliberate that I teach this way because I want to speak to you who are home. I want this to be a time that as you are home, whether in your living room or kitchen or wherever you may be, that you're able to sit down and just open the Word of God, and that together we can study the Word. And so again, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says here, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. We begin this passage with a very unlikely story. As a pastor, I've heard everything. When I was young, as a young pastor, there were certain things that I thought I would never, ever hear coming out of people's mouths. And I remember from some of my mentor pastors saying, Rob, there's going to come a day that you are going to hear stories that you never thought you would hear But unfortunately, you're going to hear so many stories that you thought you would never hear that there's going to be a time that, that there was a story that you've already heard before. And so, here's the truth. This is one of those stories I've never heard. A young girl coming to me who is engaged to be married to a man in a place of conflict because she is claiming that she is pregnant And that baby is from God. And it's a very unlikely story. And yes, this unlikely story would have thrown any man questioning what was going on. You see, as I had said before that Sue and I have done a lot of premarital counseling over the 20 years of being in the pastoral ministry. And if I heard a story such as this, This was a game changer in the relationship. I have heard many different stories where we have sat down with a couple and we have challenged them and said, are you sure you want to go through with this marriage? I have taken the man aside and Sue has taken the woman aside. And we've said, now remember, you're making a decision that you are choosing to be with this person for the rest of their life. And we would say the honesty that you are having with this individual during your dating relationship, during your engagement relationship, will be the same honesty that that person is bringing into the relationship. And I believe in a situation like this, that this could be a game changer. Do you actually know what you're about to engage with? And for Joseph, this was the narrative that he was hearing. But I think the one thing that we have to understand is, is, as I really do believe that when I read the narrative, I do believe that Mary had sat down Joseph and said, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you how I have become pregnant. I don't believe that Joseph heard it through the grapevine. I believe that Mary had this encounter with the living God and in fear, she had told Joseph this unlikely story, hoping that there was a chance that Joseph would believe it. Now, in my humanness, as a Christian pastor slash counselor, I would really question this. But the truth is, is that what makes this narrative so interesting is that this unlikely story was ex- was exactly true and now joseph is confronted with what is he going to do about this relationship because again in our humanness, it's so unlikely and i'm thinking if if she's telling me this story she might be a little crazy And marrying crazy is a very dangerous thing. So let's continue on in the passage. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Ancient relationships and present-day relationships are extremely different. But the truth is that there are laws of commitment. And whenever someone is told that another person is pregnant by not your child, but someone else's child, I believe that there is a real right for the breaking of the engagement. I believe that this is a a law of commitment. If someone has broken this covenant before they've ever gotten married that this is a game changer. This is something that Joseph had the right to step away from. And for Joseph, this was a true commitment. He paid a dowry for Mary. He had been preparing that that she would be the one. He had been saving himself for her. And so here you have this, this conflict, this dilemma. You see, for most people, what they would have done is they would have publicly shamed this young woman. And to publicly shame this young woman would have meant that she would have been excommunicated from the community or possibly she could have been stoned to death. And rightfully so, each one of us, whenever we have been sinned against, whenever someone has wronged us, our natural instinct is to wrong and punish them because we feel that we are given the human rights to offend our offenders. And so here you have this situation. That Joseph had every right to divorce her. Because back then the engagement was much like a marriage. Except for them having the sexual relationship that brought them together. The marriage was after the engagement, but there was a commitment in marriage minus the sexual relationship during the engagement period that for Joseph to end the relationship, he had to actually divorce her. Now, one of the things that I love about Scripture is it talks about the purity of God and the purity of relationships and the purity of marriage. You see, when we read this passage, we're seeing that for Joseph's lens, he's thinking that more than likely this woman had a sexual relationship with another person. And scripture talks against premarital sex. And unfortunately, in our culture, we don't speak against premarital sex. But let me tell you, every young person who is watching this, engaging in premarital sex will have a consequence in your relationship. It always has. I've been doing premarital counseling and I have done marriage counseling for over 20 years. And I have seen how premarital sexual relationships always affect the couple at some point in their life. And for Joseph, he could have just said, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to bring this baggage into this relationship. And so Joseph had every right to divorce her. And not only to divorce her, but to shame her. You see, if Joseph would go through with this marriage, he is basically saying one of two things. Either that child is mine, and I've had premarital relationships with Mary. Or he's saying someone else had premarital relationships with my future wife, and I'm okay with it. And so either way, saying yes, shame would have come to that couple. But there's a key phrase in this passage in verse 19. It says that he was a righteous man. What does it mean to be righteous? Righteousness is the quality of doing what is right in our relationship with God and towards others. Joseph, a righteous man, he had the quality of doing what is right in relationship with God and with others. And even though this situation was unthinkable, unfathomable, unable to comprehend, he still wanted to do what was right. I look at Joseph's life and, he, and he's looking at this unlikely story. And, and what we're going to learn about Joseph right now is that there, he had this unlikely righteousness. The right thing for him to do was to divorce her and to shame her in the eyes of his community. But an unlikely righteousness was saying, I'm trusting God in the midst of what seems like a broken commitment. And as much as I feel that I have been dishonored by her, I'm still going to honor her by divorcing her quietly. And so instead of putting public shame and punishment before Mary, he quietly decided to divorce her where she could just kind of walk walk away from the relationship. And so could he. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you did something that was so unlikely of yourself after someone had offended you? When was it that last time that you had this unlikely righteousness like Joseph had towards someone who has wronged you, where you did the complete opposite of what the world or the community or or even what someone else told you to do against that person? Doing what is right is actually a signpost of our understanding of the gospel. When we have this unlikely righteousness... It's actually a signpost of our understanding of the gospel. Forgive as I have forgiven you. That's what Jesus said. And so here you have this this righteousness, this gospel righteousness before the gospel was ever lived out by Jesus. that That Joseph says, I want to forgive her. I want to release her. From any penalty that I could put upon her. Even in the midst of an unlikely story. Joseph had shown an unlikely righteousness. Because he believed that even though his world was turned upside down. God had the power to turn it right side up. And I think that's a really powerful statement that even though our worlds feel like they're upside down when people have wronged us, when we show an unlikely righteousness, we actually have the power to give back to God to turn our situations right side up. So you have this unlikely story, you see this unlikely righteousness, and then all of a sudden, someone steps into the narrative. Through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. You see, Joseph had fallen asleep. Now, when you look at the Mary narrative and you look at the Joseph, Joseph narrative, they are exactly alike except for one thing. Mary was awake, but Joseph was asleep. What had happened was Joseph really coming to the conclusion that, okay, I'll do what's right. I love how it even says in verse 20, it says, as he considered these, considered this, So he went to bed considering his decision, and maybe he was in a place that that his mind was so full with what was going on that that he couldn't hear the voice of God, or he, he couldn't be visited by an angel. And so what God had done, just like he had done with another Joseph thousands of years ago, he met this Joseph in a dream. You remember that Joseph in the Old Testament? How did God meet that Joseph? In dreams. And so with this Joseph, he did the very same thing. And this Joseph, in his dream, was told verbatim exactly what that same angel had told Mary. The messenger told about this woman being pregnant. That yes, this pregnancy came from God. That yes, this child In her womb was Emmanuel, God, with us. This angel had said the very prophetic message that was found in Isaiah that he told Mary, he also told Joseph. You see, when we think about God's prophetic words, God is not a God who changes things. God is a God who says the same thing to people who are going to be on the same journey together. And I think that's one of the things about, the, about prophecy we have to understand. I think we're kind of just looking for the, for the prophecy of the day. No, when God speaks a word of prophecy, God will fulfill the word of prophecy, and he will not be changing those words of prophecy. And when God tells us to do something in a word of prophecy, he will fulfill it by revealing it, not only to us, but oftentimes to others. And so here you have this angel giving a prophetic message to Mary, And he gives the same prophetic message to Joseph. The angel was clear Yes, your young bride to be is a virgin. And yes, everything that she said is true. And yes, like to Mary, the angel had said, Do not be afraid. And Joseph woke. And I love what it says that he did exactly as the Lord commanded. Exactly. Let me clarify. Exactly as the angel commanded. And when you look at the Mary narrative, and now you look at the Joseph narrative, they both say the very same thing. They did exactly as was commanded. And whenever someone has a divine encounter, there is always a quick response. Very rarely do you see a delayed response. Whenever there's a divine encounter, whether with the Holy Spirit or with God himself or with an angel, there's, there's oftentimes, more so than not, a quick response. And what we see throughout Scripture is this unlikely obedience. Joseph was going to be countercultural. No matter what his culture would have told him to do, he said, no, I'm going to do what God is telling me to do. And I think that's a big lesson for us, even during this past year. You see, we're all looking for this 2020 vision. In other words, when we say we want our 2020 vision, we're saying we want God to do what we want him to do. Rather, saying in a world that's gone wrong, in a world that's broken, maybe what God is actually doing is giving us clarity, 2020 vision of what is really happening in our world around us, so that we can reposition ourselves and align ourselves to be part of God's unlikely plan. And Joseph decided to have an unlikely obedience. Everyone would have questioned. You see, obedience is compliance. Obedience is submission to another's authority. We hate that word obedience. We really don't even use that with our children anymore. We we have missed the power of of sitting under the authority of another. And whenever that is challenged, we, we just pull away and we pick and choose when we want to submit. When we want to be in compliance. But Joseph had such an encounter with the living God that he said, I'm going to do God's way, God's plan. Because his way and his plan, even if it's countercultural to what my community or my culture is saying, is the perfect plan. Unlikely obedience is being obedient no matter how ridiculous, outlandish, or unbelievable it may seem. Joseph was giving God his yes. And he was willing to give God his yes, no matter what the cost was. No matter what he would have lost from the culture in which he lived in. Unlikely obedience is a two-sided coin. It's saying yes to God's plan. And it's saying, yes, that God has called me to be a part of his plan. It's saying, yes, that God, I I believe that you have a plan. But it also unfolds by saying, yes, I will be part of that plan. I think the story of the narrative of Joseph is so interesting. And and I think in some ways it almost mirrors the, the Joseph of old in the Old Testament. This Joseph was obedient like no other. This Joseph, like the Joseph of the past, had had multiple engagements with the angel. Matter of fact, when when you look at just the first couple chapters of of the gospel, you see that this Joseph had four angelic visitations. The first was the one we just looked at. The second is when the angel told him to go to Egypt to get away from Herod. The The third was when the angel told him to take Mary to go to the land of Israel, and then the Fourth is when the angel told them to go back to Galilee to settle and live there. Joseph was so in tune with God that whenever God wanted to manifest himself, he was at attention to both listen and respond. People of God, this should be a season that we are slowing down and we are fine-tuning our ears to listen to the voice of God. And whether your mind is so busy, but your mind is set on wanting to hear, that, that maybe God is, your world is so busy that God can't speak in the middle of your, of your day, but maybe your heart is so aligned, even throughout your day, that you're saying when you go to bed, God, maybe I didn't hear you during the day, but I'm willing to listen to you in my sleep. How cool is that? I know that's how God works. I know that's how God works because he's worked in my life multiple times that way. That my mind has been so revved up, so geared up in the moment of whatever was going on that, that when I quieted myself and I said, Lord, I didn't hear you today, speak to me in my dreams. He has shown up. Not every time, but there have been moments that he has shown up. And you see, that's an unlikely obedience that we need to learn from Joseph. Aligning ourselves with the plan of God so that we can give God our yes. But then this passage concludes with verse 25. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. In other words, they had the wedding ceremony. They were married. But Joseph had an unlikely devotion that most men can't have. And he said, I'm going to wait for this child to be born, to engage in a sexual relationship with her. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to raise this child as my own. And what we see is we see an unlikely story that led to an unlikely righteousness, that led to an unlikely obedience, that now that obedience had to be lived out with an unlikely devotion. Joseph took this boy as his own and he raised him. And he raised him in the way of God. How do we know this? Because when Jesus went to the temple, he got lost in the study and the conversation of God's word. He raised him to be his own. He raised him in such a way that, that Jesus was not only the son of God, but the son of Joseph. And then Mary and Joseph had more children. We see that. We see that, 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 that James, who, who wrote the epistle of James, was Jesus' brother. That Jesus had siblings, and, and Joseph and Mary had other children. But what we see about the Joseph narrative is that, that all of a sudden, that Joseph kind of, he kind of faded away from Scripture. He drifted off the pages of Scripture. He was only in the Scriptures for a little bit, and so probably what had happened was Joseph had died an untimely death. He probably died as a young man. He probably died before his, his kids hit their 20s or 25. But he died an untimely death more than likely. But his death in life had all played out in the eyes of God perfectly. Yes, more than likely, Joseph, being from a time period where many men had died at a young age, had experienced an untimely death, but his death and life had all played out in the eyes of God perfectly. I think sometimes what we do is we have these grandiose dreams of of how long we'll live. I don't think it's about how long we live. I think it's how we live while we're alive. Joseph's life was paramount, profound. His life speaks more of the gospel than many people will ever experience. Joseph was was given a a part in God's plan and, and he fulfilled it. And when he had fulfilled it and it had come to fruition, he went home to be with his heavenly father. And what we see in this Christmas narrative is we see this upside down plan where God used unlikely people to be a part of his unlikely plan. And what we learn from Joseph is we see this this question that we need to ask ourselves. Are we willing to have unlikely righteousness towards those who have wronged us? Will we have an unlikely obedience to what God calls us to step into? And will we have an unlikely devotion to see it to fruition? Are we willing to be part of God's unlikely plan to turn this upside-down world right-side up? So here is what I want to conclude with. How did Joseph have this unlikely devotion? First and foremost, he trusted that God's plan was perfect. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. Joseph was a man who sought God's direction. And God gave the direction that Joseph had sought. God created each one of us to be part of his eternal plan. My challenge to you Are you trusting the plan that God has invited you to be a part of? Second, I believe the reason that Joseph was able to trust the plan of God is that he understood that his identity was foundational. The angel had said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David. Joseph had come from the lineage of King David. And every good Jewish man knew that the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of King David. And you ever wonder if Joseph ever was walking around the streams or or building something because he was a carpenter and said, I wonder if God could use me like he used King David. Oh yeah, he did. He trusted his heavenly identity. People of God, do you trust your heavenly identity? That God, it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Just like Joseph, when we understand our identity of who we are as children of God, we can say yes to God's plan every single time. And the last thing is this. Devotion brings fulfillment. We can give God our yes in the moment, but our yes is lived out through our devotion. Joseph had trusted that God had a plan and that God was going to fulfill it. Are we willing to do the very same thing when God has given us a dream and given us a vision and has invited us to be part of his plan, are we willing to see it to fruition? This was one of my last thoughts in preparing this message. Joseph is the unsung hero of the gospel. Joseph is the unsung hero of the Advent narrative. The least seen character in the gospel narrative. Yet, in God's plan, his life was paramount. Do you want to be part of God's plan? An unlikely plan using unlikely people to turn this upside down world right side up. As we go to the song of worship, I want to challenge you to give God your yes. I want to challenge you to, to, in your space, in your house, wherever you may be, to get on your knees or lift your hands and say, God, I give you my obedience. And through your Holy Spirit, empower me to be devoted to see your calling fulfilled in my life for your plan. Take this time of worship and give God your yes. Plant family, I want to leave you with one challenge. And here is my challenge to you. My Christmas challenge to you is to give God your yes, even if your ideal plan is challenged by the absolute fulfillment of God's plan for your life. Remember, God's plan seems upside down, yet it has the power to turn your world and this world, right side up. This Advent season, give God your yes. And be part of his unlikely plan, using unlikely people to turn this world upside down. Remember this Plant family. We love you. We're praying with you. And we're praying for you. Have an amazing day.